0: and welcome to episode 213 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Greibach, and joining me tonight is my wonderful co-host, Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Spirit?
1: Hi, remember when you gave me that five-second warning, like a few seconds ago? Like five seconds ago? Yeah, and I should have stopped you, but now I realize that there's people hammering outside, so I'm going to go close my window really quick.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Well, While Spirit closes her window, I'm going to be drinking uh, alcoholic chocolate milk, because that's a thing that I do because I'm an adult. Uh, we'll see if she ever re-listens to this podcast and gets to hear this segment of delightful cheer.
1: Okay, I'm done with the hammering.
0: Excellent. I left a little Easter egg for you. Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. So, yeah, we've been gone a couple weeks because of the Thanksgiving holiday and other life busyness things, and in the meantime, they have teased and released a Living Story episode uh, since our last podcast, so we're just going to be diving right into it. Spoiler warning, we're probably going to just talk about all of the story stuff in this episode, so if you don't want to hear it, wait a couple days until you beat it, because with Christmas upcoming, we don't really have time to delay talking about things that are on our minds immediately, because otherwise it will be months. So yeah, living story. Uh, is there any anything you want to talk about first in this episode, Spirit?
1: Uh, I mean, it's, before we get into the main story stuff, there's two little feature things that I really want to call out. I say little, but not necessarily little because, first of all, keys have been added to the wallet. Huzzah! Yeah, I was very happy to eat all of my keys, just shove them in my mouth and get like 10 bank spaces back, which is great. I'm actually opening trade crates again. I had stopped opening them just because I was too lazy to check if I had uh, keys on my characters or anything. I wasn't spreading them around between characters, so I was just ignoring them. But now that they're in my wallet, I've been opening them again, which is great. I'm getting more loot, and that always makes me happy. And then the other thing is uh, book tech. So if you played the patch very early on, you may have missed this because it wasn't enabled for the first couple days, but if you open up certain books uh, that are either physical books or collectible inventory books in the new map, they actually bring up uh interface with pages that you can flip through which is awesome people have been asking for this for years
0: yeah it's pretty cool i noticed that definitely in one of the hearts where you can resort books and uh yeah i started i started reading some of the other books although i will admit that i was in something of a rush so i didn't actually read very many of them closely but i did think it was neat that we got them i'm sure the i'm sure the lore aficionados will be madly in love with that
1: Feature. Yeah, I really hope some of the old, uh, you know, people have been asking for a library for years, basically, because we've gotten a lot of these little lore books. And I hope that at some point we get a chance to collect them or amalgamate them or...
0: Oh, it's not um, say amalgamate.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a touchy subject, isn't it? Um, uh, What was I gonna say? There's a lot of there's a lot of things that were fitting for books that didn't necessarily make it into the game. A lot of the sort of short stories and things that got put out around episode or uh season one there are a lot of like blog posts and things that that could make really good books in game and i would like to see that happen at some point and now that we have the tech that's more of a realistic thing i think
0: yeah uh definitely i I do remember a lot of those blog posts being sort of in universe but on the blog which is highly Mm -hmm. undiscoverable to a lot of people
1: speaking of amalgamated do you want to talk about the new legendary?
0: Yeah, so we got a uh, legendary focus added to the game. I haven't actually looked at the recipe because I was curious which and how many parts would be path of fire based and which ones would be maguma mastery based. Uh, it looks like some of both, but uh, it's a it's a focus. It's a sort of eldritch tome looking dealy. Uh, the cover on it is highly reminiscent to me. Of the monster manual from I want to say 3.5 d which is sort of like a big old-looking tome with a open sort of dragon eye or demon eye. I think it's probably a dragon in Dungeons and Dragons case, but in the center of it. Uh, so when you wield it, on with I'm forgetting the actual word for it, but when it's out for combat, the tome then floats in front of you with its pages flipping, and your Hand that's holding it sort of gets a demonic purple blackish uh like claw that glows out of it which looks really cool Uh, i'm i'm very impressed with it i think it's a a really visually striking uh, design and it's also sort of the on the dark and creepy side which i feel that most legendaries aren't so that's always a plus for me because we have a lot of we have a fair number of sort of serious legendaries and a lot of sort of jokey legendaries, but not too many, you know, uh, creepy looking ones. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I'm a I'm a fan. I think it looks really cool. Do you know, have you looked at the recipes?
1: Uh, I haven't looked at them too closely. I know that they require uh, path of fire map exploration. Mm-hmm. So there's a way to get, um, there is a way to claim... Your exploration gifts if you've already done the map exploration. So you don't have to re re-complete that. But I don't know the exact details. You'll have to look that up. I just know that there is a way to... You have to talk to a heartbender in each map or something, I think, to get them back.
0: Yeah, I believe I read that it was 22,000 karma apiece, which is you know not all that much, all told. Uh, yeah, I think so there hard. was some confusion because the text of it said once per account... But Mm -hmm. several people have been reporting that it's that's incorrect. It's just once per character. So uh, at least some people have posted screenshots with them having duplicates um, because they've completed it with multiple characters. So I assume that is what is actually intended rather than once per account. Uh, But that is what the tooltip says. So, you know, if you're reticent about it, then maybe wait. But otherwise, you're, you're probably fine. Realistically, yeah yeah okay cool uh next question did you buy a peacock raptor i did not okay was it aesthetically unpleasing was it not worth the price uh, is that sort of the same question
1: uh yes it was not aesthetically pleasing enough for me to drop that much money on it i mean it looks nice like there's some nice particle effects and everything it's got good dye channels uh, but it doesn't appeal to me specifically, so I'm not going to buy it. Um, I also realized that because I own all of the uh, random ones, because I bought those with gold people, uh, I there's a lot of competition for my mount skins. So they're going to have to put out something pretty good for me to drop any more money.
0: Yeah, did you see the post from Mo about the prices?
1: I did. I thought it was... It was interesting in that he pretty much came out and said, uh, you know, sorry, but what you're telling us doesn't line up with what our data is, and that's that mounts at this price point sell and support the game. Um, but I had to, I don't like how he writes things, so I kind of had to dig through like five paragraphs of waffle to get to that. So I, <laughs> I appreciate uh, what he said and that he came out and said it. But I am not a huge fan of the way that he said it, and I think uh, I appreciate them being in this position and, you know, wanting to keep it funded, and I want to keep it funded too. And I think there are certainly some people that are not dropping money on the game because they don't have anything to buy, but they also feel like they want the game to be supported. There's not anything in their price range that appeals to them. So I I don't know. Christian yeah. feels quite strongly about this, so we've had a few conversations about it, but I don't know how to phrase it quite as well as he does, because he's one of these people that's like, Yeah, I, I would spend money on this game, absolutely, but there's nothing they're not offering me anything that I want, so I'm not going to
0: Yeah, well, I feel that way. That's I maybe I can represent a similar argument because for me, a twenty five dollar quote microtransaction is extremely steep and it would have to be just about the coolest flipping thing in the universe that I could think of to do that for one single thing. I've spent $20 at a time on this game on gems when there were multiple things released at the same time that I wanted to buy. It's not so much that it's just the amount of money, as much as that it is the amount of money for just one thing. And... I just don't think these mount skins are that cool the mount licenses were obviously cheaper um, but were had a gambling element which I just was not you know as we discussed I was not interested in participating in that I don't really Mm -hmm. like that as a as a tactic but you know I have dropped a lot of money on this game in the past over the years over the five years we've been playing it but you know, those were in $10 increments, usually, or sometimes $20 for two things. And, you know, that's, that's a good price point for me. And I've bought a lot of things that I, you know, I can't use concurrently, right? I, you know, you can only use one glider per character, you can only use one outfit per character, I have more mm-hmm. outfits and probably more gliders than I have characters. Um, But I, I enjoyed, you know, playing dress up with cool new weird particle effects and and that kind of stuff and I paid for some convenience features like the some of the endless mining tools and the you know I've bought a few bank tabs and I've uh uh endless salvage kit you know I've bought a lot of stuff uh, some makeover kits but it's at present they you know they they haven't been offering anything in Path of Fire that has been both in the price range and interest level for me. And so I feel like there is, there has to be some segment of the market that's untapped. Now, the thing that I found interesting about his response was that he actually sort of addressed that indirectly because he he basically made a statement that the returns are not worth what it costs them to develop that content. Yeah. So, like, on the one hand... I was kind of confused by that statement because how could they... It made it sound like the current price has been proven to work compared to the other model, but the Forged Hound was really the first thing that was at that price point So compared to years of data from the other stuff. So it seems hard for me to understand how they came to that conclusion definitively as definitively as he makes it sound yeah on the other hand there have been a lot of things that were that expensive or more expensive they were just things that i always thought were an absolutely terrible value but it is possible i'm talking about big bundle things yeah uh it is entirely possible that those have sold so well despite the fact that to me it seems abysmal uh, that that that's the data they're basing it on and that they get far more money from those big ticket items. Um, And it's not that they don't make money from the untapped market, the currently untapped market. It's just that they don't make enough more to justify the resource cost of making the items, Mm -hmm. which I mean, that does kind of surprise me, but maybe there's a higher flop rate of, you know, people in my and Christian's bracket that are just caving in and buying it at this more expensive price anyway so
1: yeah i wonder um i saw something interesting in the comments as well that said uh (laughs) it wasn't actually a very nice comment but i think they had a point and they basically said paraphrasing you know if it was at like 800 gems you guys would probably just convert gold to buy it anyway so maybe there's a price point at which you know people actually switch over to paying real money instead of gold and that has a factor to play in it
0: yeah i think i i read that comment as well and i think that's a very interesting point i think that that's really difficult for us as players to gauge especially Mm -hmm. on the high end of engagement because just specifically speaking i have never converted gold to gems um because i don't despite the fact that i run a nearly weekly podcast about this game i do not actually play this game enough for that to feel worth it um I, you know, I'm I'm actually, nowadays, I'm a pretty casual player. And if I want something, I I would rather just pay money for it, basically. And I save my gold for legendaries, you know, which I have, what, five of now? So, mm-hmm. like, I spend my gold on that and on some Ascended stuff, hence my perpetual griping about it. But I, you know, I don't convert gold to gems, but I know that you do, obviously. And I think the thing is that... There's definitely some truth to that, that at these cheaper 400, 600, 800 gem price points, it's a much more tenable transaction from a farming standpoint, like to go farm a bunch of gold and turn it into gems and then just buy it that way, than it is when, it's, when you say double that. You know, you look at the number of hours it would take to make twice as much or two and a half times as much as that gold, and, you know, maybe that farming equation gets uh, more heavily discouraged but i i don't know i would not be surprised if there's a large number of casual players that just don't do gold the gems even though it exists and that i feel it's also possible that there's a fairly um insular bubble i guess of sort of an echo chamber of players that play a lot and have a ton of gold that sure. feel like everybody does that but don't i don't know but we don't have the numbers so we can't really all we can do is speculate yeah. But it kinda mean, it kinda of goes back to what I was saying about the you know, these bundles that I've always thought were terrible and not worth it. You know, the the big bundles of an outfit and some dice watches and some, you know, consumable items that I've always just looked at and said, God, that's a that's a total ripoff. I can't believe anybody buys that. But it's entirely possible that a lot of people do buy that because they're casual and they don't mind spending the money and to them that's worth it. And those would be the same people that I really can't imagine anybody doing gold to gems on those things, but the theoretical people that might be buying these high high price bundle items are most likely not going to be falling into that argument of of gold to gemming those eight hundred. like they're probably just buying the eight hundred gem items with real money also, but it's it's a fundamentally different player psychology, I guess, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I'm not surprised. I I think we said it in the episode that I expect them to be at this 2,000 gem price point. You know, the the sort mm-hmm.
1: of... Yeah, and I think uh, just because we got two um, sort of singular mount skins in a row doesn't mean we're not going to get the bundles anymore. Because, I mean, you pretty much... Ex- I- between a few comments, I would surmise that we're going to get an at least one more 1600 fund cost bundle of mounts, probably for Winter's Day. I can't imagine that they wouldn't do a, a big bundle of them again. They basically said the the 2000 gem ones, the bundle of 1600. I feel like there was one more aspect to it, but but those two things were both good value for them.
0: Well, and the gambling one. <laughs> of,
1: yeah, I suppose. But they, yeah, but that they're not going to do that again, apparently.
0: Uh, so I don't think that he ever actually said that. What he said was, we're not going to do that for the next few. He basically said, the next few are going to be uh, not that style. I don't think he's and, ever actually committed that they will never use it again.
1: Yeah, I think you're right about that. But they did confirm that they're not going to add to the pool of ones that are available in this thing.
0: Correct. Right.
1: But there may be another one. We don't know for sure.
0: I would bet there. Yeah. That's one of those uh, critical reading skill type of yeah. things. Not, And I'm not saying that as, a, as an insult to anybody who's listening to this. I actually mean that's sort of a, a buzz phrase that uh, myself and some several other people talk about when they're talking about marketing is like if you read the exact words that they say and it sounds like there's a technicality in there, it probably is exactly the technicality, not what it quote sounds like they mean it's what they actually yeah. said that is what is important yeah. um, and basically it's like don't give them the benefit of the doubt if they're talking about if they're doing anything about pr hold them to the exact letter of what they said uh it will in the long run make you less disappointed in everything because you will expect them to do it that way so <laughs> um yeah anyway Cool. Well, that's a lot of discussion about mounts. It's not actually really that big of an issue. I wasn't surprised that it was going to be this price. I know some people were pretty mad about it that they still coming at this price, but they never said it wouldn't. So I didn't expect otherwise. So you ready to move on to the raid and or story section of the patch?
1: Sure. I guess I'll just say a little bit about the raid. I don't have that much to say about it because I haven't beat it yet, and I think that in itself is something worth mentioning. Um, the first kill on the first boss. I'm not going to talk about it too much. You guys don't have to worry about spoilers too much. I'm trying not to name any names. Uh, our first kill of the first boss took us two and a half hours, which is one and a half hours. Then it took us one and a half hours longer than it took us to f- kill the first two bosses of the last raid. And the same amount of time it took us to kill the third boss of the last raid, which uh, was interesting to me. I think it pushes, I think, I think it's pushing the difficulty in terms of you really need to be coordinated. And we were jokingly as a group, we were saying that the first boss was going to be a pug killer and i don't know that that's true long term i think probably there will be a strategy worked out that's pretty standard but you certainly need to be on the ball you certainly need to work together and it just emphasizes all those little things about raids that i really like what i don't like about the raid as a whole and the last boss suffers from this as well as the first is there is a few one-shot mechanics um And I think they're over-relying on those at the moment. It's not the worst. It's thematic. Holy crap. It's thematic for the raid. Sorry, I think something fell over and I have no idea what it was. There's a sudden uh, crashing in my apartment. Uh, Yeah, it's thematic for the raid, which uh, you'll understand if you know who the final boss is. Um, So I I I can't gripe about it too much. And I haven't spent too much time on the last boss to to really give my opinions of it. But uh, the people who have beat it seem to have quite high opinions of it. And they've been at it for a long time. I think the first, the first kill of the last boss, the first clear, was um, 30 hours after release. Which is about consistent, I think, with the first wing? Before there was a meta established. And now... Now there's, you know, people really understand, people really dug into all the classes and really have a good understanding of how all of them function in raids. And for us to have a really good understanding of what goes on in a raid and still take that long to work out how to complete it, I think that says a lot about how difficult they've set the bar in this one. So I'm excited to to try and work it out. There's a bunch of new rewards. There's a few pieces of armor that you can get out of this one. Basically a whole set except for the chest and legs. There's uh new weapons of course. There's um a new legendary collection for a ring called Coalescence. So you can you can get that started now. Uh but yeah, it it's uh it's been fun. I've enjoyed what I have encountered in there. And in fact, right after this, I'm going to go punch the last boss in the face, hopefully. A lot of people are getting struck. Up. <laughs> There's a sort of phase zero for the last boss, where you need to get him to spawn, and not all groups are successful at even getting him to spawn. So uh, I'm about to go see that for myself.
0: So, I mean, are you using any trap rangers, or...?
1: Uh, dragon hunters. They're actually stacking dragon hunters for the last boss, which I find very interesting. Sorry, that I'm was a Guild quite... Wars
0: one reference. I I'm not sure if that in yeah, your head. Yeah, but
1: <laughs> dragon hunters are kind of like trap rangers.
0: Yep, yep. Uh, boy. Sorry, I amused myself way too much. Um, cool. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're really enjoying it. I would like to at least see a completed instance to explore the area because that excites me greatly um yeah no that's all good i i think it's quite cool that they've you know managed to make one that seems quite difficult compared to some of the previous ones but that people are enjoying so good on you raid team
1: okay cool
0: well would you like to talk about the new map and or new story
1: i would love to okay Um, well oh go ahead no you go ahead I was just thinking about where we should start, but you sound like you have a plan, so you can go for it.
0: I don't really have a plan. I was just going to start talking. Uh, Ugh, I trusted you. I know. The the main thrust of it is that we get to go back to Istan, the new island of Guild Wars 1 in Nightfall, which was fun to return to and fun to explore around. I definitely I need to spend more time exploring this map because there were parts of it that definitely felt pretty familiar, uh, especially specifically the last mission area but I didn't quite have as much of a feeling as I have had in some areas of Guild Wars 2 where I immediately could identify where I was. I mean obviously I can by looking at sort of the map location tell where I was because it's not that big of an island but some of the landmarks obviously are pretty different and so some of that has been a little bit more difficult to identify than some of the Transition places, but still, it was it was cool to be back. Did you want to talk about the first mission that got us there, or I I don't actually mind if we just don't do a mission by mission, blow by blow, unless there's something you specifically wanted to talk about in any of them.
1: uh no, I guess I'm alright skipping that. I can go with whatever.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, was the first mission the one with the uh, so-called invincible crystals that we were talking about beforehand? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. I believe we talked about this on our wrap-up of the Path of Fire story, but I do think that, and and I'm trying not to uh, have talk about all the problems only in this episode, but I do think that there is somewhat of a problem in Guild Wars 2 of what I guess I'm going to call discoverability, or sort of seeing what the developers want you to be seeing. There were several times during that mission, and, and this... Happened a lot in the final segments of Path of Fire, which is what reminded me of it, where the NPCs would say, Oh my gosh, look at that. What was that? Like, Oh, that was really cool. That was such and such. And, you know, it's like in the middle of a fight, and I'm looking at all the circles on the ground, and all the dudes that are fighting us, and all the lightning strikes, and my skill rotation, and my positioning, and, you know, i'm not looking up at the sky (laughs) during these fight scenes or even sometimes when i am looking up at the sky it's just somewhere else and there's not really any visual indicator of where these npcs or just the general mission itself is sort of quote expecting you to look so like it's really cool that there's these details and the npcs are talking about them but it kind of is a little bit frustrating to feel like I'm missing things because I'm, you know, doing the fight that I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and I, I, definitely felt that in this one because they were talking about how Orin was uh, fighting off a uh, Wyvern. And I, I literally saw almost none of that while they were talking about it. Like I, I, to this day, I don't know <laughs> what was happening, I guess, quote, they're fighting. Um, but yeah, like, do you do you have that problem
1: uh somewhat i feel like i have pretty good <laughs> i don't know if it's uh rating that's given at me but i feel like i have pretty good field awareness about what's going on around me in this game and i i would attribute that to rating, although i can't prove anything so i feel like most of the time i catch those little things
0: yeah i think the main thing for me is when it's like not actually near the combat when it's, like, up in the air.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, thing, things up way up in the sky. Um, definitely have a problem with. I didn't notice... Uh, I think I said it when I was talking about Path of Fire, but I didn't notice Krokotorik Yeah, until I was basically on, underneath it. Right. Um, which, it is huge. It takes up the whole skybox, but I was looking at too much other stuff. And then I was also thinking... Uh, they did a really good job of that just recently with uh, the instance where Balthazar is fighting Blast in Path of Fire where they had they they could have easily had that going on in the sky or something but they actually like crash landed both of them directly in front of you and yeah. that was one of my favorite moments of the whole story. They they could have they could have easily done that with Orien and the branded wyvern and have it like land in front of you and then take off again and keep going around in the sky above you cuz that's absolutely very cool details for the people for the people who catch that and it adds to the overall scene and i think they did a fantastic job across the board in this chapter of having a really good environment to tell a really good story in yeah but uh yeah definitely would have missed that if it weren't for just happening to catch it out of the corner of my eye or something
0: yeah yeah i think yeah i i definitely agree that they the last fight is a very good example of that i think I think that they need to take care a little bit to do something to draw your attention. And an NPC saying "look up there" doesn't help. Like it helps a little, but up there is uh, pretty vague, and <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, but when they bring your eye to the action, either when they take control away from you, which I understand a reluctance to do that, uh, or when you know they show them, you know, landing and fighting in front of you, and then you can track them if if you want to be watching that i think that that goes a long ways towards making these things more watchable uh and and i think that that's i think they want you to see them because i think all developers you know hate to develop things that you never see um so yeah i think that would be worth looking into but otherwise um yeah the instance was cool i you know it it wasn't particularly challenging but uh you know, I, I guess I'm not even going to talk about the challenge for the for <laughs> Living Story. Like, it's never particularly challenging uh, unless there's an issue, which, you know, is, is a problem rather than a design. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was good. Uh, but then we, we get ferried over to Istan. I didn't notice this until I was writing the notes for the show. I wanted to look up where Commodon was because I kind of forgot geographically where it was. I knew it was in Istan but I couldn't remember exactly where it was. And so I pulled up a map and I looked at the spot in the Guild Wars 2 map and the name text on the map I hadn't actually read and it was Palawadon Jewel of Istan, <laughs> which just made me laugh so hard about that because, because it's Commodon Jewel of Istan is you know mm-hmm. what its quote real name is. And so just the idea of this necromancer NPC... Steal like taking over the continent and just putting Palawa in front of anything that starts with an A and just making it's a so in character of it. for him too. Yeah. Uh it cracked me up. I love it. I need to go explore there so I can sort of see the sights from there, but it is an it is an enemy infested area now so uh yeah, you know, you got to be a little bit more careful there now.
1: I mean, you always had to be careful there if you had trade chat open.
0: <laughs> yeah, spam Yeah yeah uh it was yeah it was it was nice to return there i from a map design perspective i like that they put in a lot more areas for the skimmer to feel useful i feel like there's a lot of those here or rather there's a lot of water that is not necessarily deep or if it's deep you don't necessarily have to go that way but i like that it felt it felt like a much better skimmer map than a lot of the maps in the expansion which i which i like uh because i like the skimmer i want excuses to ride the skimmer you know, mm-hmm. how much uh, how much exploring have you done? Not much, just the story, or not
1: much. Yeah, I, I basically just did the story. I've I've checked out a few things. I did the race. Have you done the race in this map?
0: I haven't. I was I was rushing to do the story at the time that I ran into the race.
1: It's uh, almost a pure skimmer race, and it has some really cool opportunities to. Like, like, do cool things. Like, there's, there's one segment where you go around a rock in a circle and then up and over a jump. Oh, cool. And you cool. can, like, hover to catch one. And then when you come down on the other side, there's mine. And then it has a lot of little sort of narrow passageways where there's half of the checkpoint is in water and half of it's on land. So you can very easily go on land, but if you're smart and you know that the skimmer is faster in the water, then you can try and catch the water path through. So... Mm. I, I I found it a really well-designed race. I was very happy that uh, I did it. It was very cool.
0: Have you done the adventure yet? I have not. Okay, me neither. But I adventures are something that I wanted to get back into in The Path of Fire and The Living Story because I really actually enjoyed them in Heart of Thorns, but they were disabled for a while in Path of Fire, and so I just sort of missed a lot of them at the start and so yeah i i definitely want to get back to the adventures and i noticed that they had one here but i you know again didn't have time to do it Uh, i like i like the races i think they're a fun addition and i i like hearing that they're sort of incorporating multiple mount routes if you will uh even though they're sort of together but i think that's really cool design to sort of have like maybe the higher skill path to take that has the added advantage but that you don't necessarily have to use that path. I think that's really cool. I like that a lot. Um, have you done the
1: meta event? I've done parts of the meta event. I haven't been able to catch all of it yet. Um, there's a map-wide raid on Palawa Down that is very cool, but I haven't been able to catch all of it. There's a, a big end boss who you'll recognize if you did uh, Path of Fire because it's awakened Archon Ebrero. Uh, who we murdered and took (laughs) his place of to steal an army so he's back for vengeance and that's very cool um and after you do that the sun spears will attack the great hall and in the great hall there's a character called warden amala she uh, she's a huge character in this patch a huge character. She, she appears in the story as an Awakened who runs sort of a prison at the Great Hall. She appears in the open world as the main and boss sort of of this chain. And the fractal that actually came out with this patch is the story of how she became Awakened. So she's, she's in, in many, many parts of this patch, which I find very interesting. She's a cool boss with unique mechanics. I'm pretty sure she has her own theme music. Mm. And she she's a dervish that cycles through all of the God avatars and has different mechanics for each 20 percent of her health with different God avatars, which is fantastic.:
0: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I did not I had not quite connected that that's what was happening because I noticed the obvious mesmer aspect when she's making a bunch of clones and teleporting all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, okay, that's cool. I really like that detail. That's neat. And that's really interesting. I haven't looked at the fractals at all. So that's really interesting to see that she's that influential. You know, I knew that she was or not that she's that much of a focus of this chapter, I guess is what I should say. Mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, I knew that she was in the story and I knew that she was in the meta event. But um... oh, by the way, speaking of the meta event uh, attack on that fortress, have <laughs> did you ever drink out of the fountains?
1: No, I mean, I I turned up the very first time I got to the map. but They were in the middle of that event when they were killing the fountains, and so I was running around after people, going, "No, no, no, don't, don't kill them! I want to kill one." <laughs> I, I never got a chance to, so I haven't I haven't seen anything interesting from there yet.
0: Oh, okay, so the fountains are, you know, fountains, and they're spitting out poisonous gunk. Which also I want to call out. I really love the particle effect that they created for the sort of curse ritual poison gunk it's like a blue and green super bubbly effect it's really interesting and they don't really have anything else like it in game so it's it's visually cool but anyway these fountains are sort of pouring out toxic gunk uh, like necromancer fountains would do and you could go up and you, there's a prompt to drink from them like they're attackable objects but you can drink and if you drink out of it it stuns you for a couple seconds and it just and you say praise joko so um i did not actually look at it the first time i just interacted with it and my wife was my wife said did you actually look at those things and i go uh yeah <laughs> and so then it sort of just became a joke as we were destroying them that i would walk over to one and i'd be like hey and i would press f and i go praise joko out loud. <laughs> but then also my character did too. Uh I don't know why. It just cracks me up that you can do that. It's there's no as far as I know, there is no benefit to doing so. It doesn't particularly harm you aside from the fact that, you know, it stuns you a little bit, but uh, I just I that just cracked me up. I thought that was hilarious. So uh I need to do the Palawadon part of the event. I have only tagged into the last half of the event uh two different times and so I, I'm definitely eager to see the first part. Ooh. Sorry, getting a little yawning. It's
1: very... Um, it feels like what I wish Orr had felt like when we went to invade that. It's a very good all-out invasion of a city, is, is my review of the first half. It's just... there's. There's big bosses. There's waves of enemies everywhere. There's many, many, many capture points and different events going on. There's like seven champions up at once. I think it is actually seven. I'm not exaggerating. Um, very cool. I don't understand what's going on yet. I just followed a lot of people and shot some guys, but I don't. I, it seemed really cool and I can't wait to sort of figure it out.
0: Yeah. I do like that we actually have a meta event again. Uh, I, just in general, I think that's cool. I, I like. Mm-hmm sort of map wide rallying calls get a bunch of people in the same place i think it's fun it's very guild wars to me so yeah but anyway so yeah so we you 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 work with some pirates to get yourself to istan and then you basically i'm trying to think of what happens first oh right so you basically uh, a couple of your missions are involved in sort of rallying the Sun Spears and the leader of the Sun Spears, and breaking him out of Palawa Joko's prison, uh, which is, you know, uh, the shared jailer instance that we were talking about. I, yeah, it, I, I mean, I guess I don't have a lot to say. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this whole episode a lot, um, and there were a lot of little, little moments that I really enjoyed, especially continuity to Guild Wars One uh but like there wasn't there wasn't any one like uh, epic amazing moment for me so i just i just enjoyed it overall um like i really enjoyed seeing Koss again i never would have thought we were going to actually see Koss in any form other than in what ascended back piece <laughs> yeah uh but you know we found we found a necromantically resurrected Coss and he was a grumpy man in a cave <laughs> just chilling out uh i love that that was that was great i love i love seeing everything about the guild wars one uh hero and henchman characters i think i have a lot of fond memories about yeah about them
1: I was really hoping, actually, I this is something I wanted to talk about a lot, or you know, kind of in relation to this. Uh, one, I was really hoping that we would get a Margaret the Sly, uh, not Renegade, Revenant legend.
0: That would have been super cool.
1: Yeah, I thought, you know, Revenant, Revenant needs a ranged weapon, probably bows, who wields a bow, and Alona, Margaret the Sly. That would have been really cool. I, I'm not disappointed that they went with Kala. I think they they said basically they wanted to represent more races in the Revenant legends, and that's fine. Kala's call is, call is okay. But I would have loved to see a Margaret the Sly thing, and so we didn't but I there's so much lore about her in this map that I'm kind of okay with it now. I was really glad to see all those all, all those things about a character that I really do care about. Um but the other thing I wanted to talk about in related to elite specs is all the dervishes and paragons in this map. Yeah. Because Holy crap, there are a lot of them. Um, Both friendly and enemy NPCs that throw spears and wield scythes. And we can't. And at this point, I can't imagine that we ever will.
0: Because
1: we kind of are past the threshold. Unless they were to do another Elonian expansion, it doesn't really make sense to add a Dervish or a Paragon elite spec based on the way that they design elite specs, which is um, both what gaps does the car- does the profession have in its repertoire, and what makes sense lore wise for the area that they they would be learning this elite spec from? So I I can't imagine that we'll ever get them. So so seeing them in these maps is really bittersweet to have that nod back to some really strong uh, memories. Were, were you a dervish main or a Necromane? I can't remember. Yes. Yes. Okay. Fair enough.
0: Well, I mean, because the thing is, I started playing all the way back at Prophecies, so Necro was like easily my main from uh, Prophecies up until the start of Nightfall, and I still played a lot like during Nightfall, uh, but I did fall in love with my Dervish, and so I have a lot of hours on my Dervish. Actually, as you ask me this, I'm going to just do a Slash Age in Guild Wars 1 and tell you the actual answer in terms of hours, but... Uh those were my two main classes in uh in Guild Wars One. But uh anyway. Was there was there a follow up to that or were you just asking?
1: Uh I I mean I guess I was just asking. It was mostly uh I thought you might have a stronger opinion because you did play quite a bit of Dervish.
0: Well, I definitely have a strong opinion. I I really miss the Dervish. I think that the Dervish was a really fun and creative class. Uh, I just looked and all told I have a little over twice as many hours on my dervish as I do on my necromancer.
1: Holy um, moly. What's that? I said holy moly.
0: To be fair, I have always been something of a uh, mass alt player so a lot of my characters have their hours split out across them. Sure. Uh, oh no, I have half again as much time. Okay, that's it's a little better. But anyway. Um... Yeah, I was a huge fan of dervishes. I've always liked the playstyle in D&D they call it a gish, which is, you know, basically a character that sort of uses magic and melee attacking. Um, uh, so I've always liked that sort of gish playstyle. I think that dervishes are aesthetically extremely cool. I actually really like their crazy like battle blade robes. I think that like they're really that's a really unique and interesting like aesthetic. Uh, because I'm, you know, a total edgelord Lord nerd, I love sides. So, you know, there's there's some bonus points. So everything everything about the aesthetic is cool. I think I really like the playstyle of this sort of uh, building up and tearing down enchantments on yourself. I thought that was a really cool because because there were classes that you know used enchantments heavily, but there weren't really any that had this sort of mechanic of something happens when you apply it and something happens when you lose it and then having abilities on yourself to lose them from yourself to do something to enemies which then compounds with the effects that are already on losing them individually. Uh, I thought those were super cool. I liked things like the... Yeah, I, I played a lot of Dervish and so I've always been sad that you know, the Dervish didn't carry forward into Guild Wars 2 i think that in a lot of ways it kind of got its identity mixed into guardian sort of like guardian Mm -hmm. is a combination sort of of warrior monk sort of paragon and dervish all like sort of all into one and so especially depending on the weapons you use so i i mean i do play some guardian Guardian's one of my more played alts in Guild Wars 2, uh, partly for that reason. But I, yeah, I was always sad that we didn't get one, and the expansion would have been, as you said, the time to do it, if you were ever going to do it. Same with Paragon. But I think that we're also, not only are we past the point at which they would want to release it, expansion timing-wise, but I think we're also past the point in the game where we're ever going to get any new weapons. I, I just don't see it happening.
1: Mm-hmm. And...
0: I think they even commented on that, you know, that the adding new weapon types is just something that they're really not interested in. So they're just going forward with adding existing weapons to classes that don't have access to them. So the scythe being such a critical part of sort of the core identity of the dervish, the whirling dervish is, and same with the throwing spear of the, uh, of the paragon. So, you know, I, I've suspected for a very long time that we weren't going to get one. And the closest we might get would be something similar to the Daredevil Thief, where you get a staff and maybe their specialization skin is a scythe. And because there's already a couple staff scythe skins anyway. And, mm. you know, another melee staff based build, possibly on warrior. Uh, but yeah, it, I, I I'm sad that we didn't get one um but yeah, i'm not like torn up about it because there's also lore issues right because the the dervish was heavily based on the human gods and that just doesn't really make sense in guild wars 2 where you have the five races and you know yeah it, but it is it is cool and a bit bittersweet to see all the npcs doing it like yeah yeah to bring it back to your original point uh i'm not I'm not salty about it. I'm I'm a little sad just because I love that class so much, but uh, that's, you know, that's just moving on with the times.
1: Do you have any thoughts about them as enemies? Are they annoying? Are they cool? Are they...
0: <sighs> I think I need to fight them a little bit more because the biggest experience that I've had with them so far is in the second half of the meta event, and it was, like, a room tightly packed with, like, eight of them, and they were all doing aoe's that basically between them all covered the whole room that were blinding and life stealing and so it like kind (laughs) of took an obnoxious amount of time to actually do anything to them but they weren't that threatening so yeah i i don't know how they are outside of that but
1: just that that exact description sounds very much like something you would encounter like a player team in guild wars of eight dervishes (laughs) going into a room and just peppering the whole thing with blinds and aoe's and that's it you just get ground up
0: yeah yeah, man. Man. Gosh, I just... Uh, I have I have good memories. Vow of Strength Dervish, <laughs> among other things. But lots of... I played a lot of Dervish in Alliance Battles. I miss Alliance Battles, too.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's cool to see them. Uh, speaking of Paragons, do you want to skip ahead to the final mission and talk about that? Sure. Because in the final mission... The the uh, the cave in right is this the final mission or is it the second the penultimate?
1: The final mission that takes a very long time, so that it felt like two missions.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I thought it was uh, the roof is caving in on your party, and out of freaking nowhere, shows up Bram, and he does a big old guardian bubble. But when he's doing it, he gets very obvious Paragon wings. Uh, which anybody who didn't play Guild Wars 1, a big thing about Paragons was they had this sort of angelic motif, and when they used a certain large subset of their skills, uh, arias, and I think maybe another type too, they, like, semi-translucent angel wings sprouted out of their backs and like flapped while they were doing their cast animation. It was nothing but visual aesthetic coolness, but it was a very distinct aspect of Paragons, and so when when bram comes in and just like freaking paragon wings in your face uh i was i was actually totally flabbergasted um especially because that's not something that guardians got in this (laughs) in this uh, in their specialization at least i don't think so right
1: uh technically the thing he uses is the dragon hunter's wings of resolve it's the f2 oh is it yep
0: okay but you don't get those wings right
1: I'm pretty sure you do get those wings, really? Yes,
0: I'm gonna have to look closer then. okay, maybe I'm just an idiot that doesn't pay attention to my guardian effects, but yeah, okay well, maybe maybe I just sound like a moron, but with all of the paragons floating around in this area, it looked super like paragon wings to me, which yeah, anyway uh, I told I totally thought that he was going in a in a paragon direction maybe maybe that's uh inattentiveness on my part how did you how did you feel about Bram and Rock showing up sort of at the last minute out of nowhere
1: I don't have a problem with them showing up again or necessarily how they got there I'm not a huge fan of the whole storyline that they're pushing with Palau Joko invading Tyria um I'm not sure and it, it could just be because it's very early on that I don't understand like what he's getting out of it
0: lots of bodies
1: I guess so. That's true. There's yeah, there I think it's kind of too early for me to really comment on that. I wasn't it feels very scarlet um in terms of how he's going about this, which I'm not a huge fan of because I'm just I'm just tired of uh people going, "Well, I have a technology. I I did the Asura thing." So, I win or whatever. I don't know, It it just like the whole, like, is a sort of technology being used as a device to to let people do things constantly for everything, I'm pretty tired of.
0: Yeah, I think that I that's don't... a narrative problem that they've sort of written themselves into the corner with when yeah. you have a race that's essentially anachronistic with their technology level. I mean, they're not technically, but they feel very, I mean, it's literally Stargates, right? I mean, they have Stargate yeah. technology and and basically spaceships. So, in the same world where like black iron gunpowder is an entire nation's identity, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be it's obvious which nation's technology they're gonna be using as the MacGuffin in <laughs> yeah in, sure. in all things. Um, you know, but it, it, one of the characters said something. They were like, "Oh." using a surrogate to like get behind enemy lines very smart and i was like yeah yeah has nobody thought of instantaneous teleportation and military tactics i feel like that was a major plot point of like one of the books was that they had cut off you know um uh like they had cut off the asura gate interaction between some of the places and that like that's a big problem for their military to not get supplies and you know <laughs> like yeah that's uh, yeah i i thought that line was kind of funny but <sighs> yeah well yeah it's fine um I, i'm interested to see where the palawa joko thing goes because it does seem really weird to me that last we saw him he was trapped in the you know the, the domain of dead people whatever that's called domain of the lost
1: yeah there's some there's some interesting theories flying around that maybe it's not Joko at all
0: yeah another imposter
1: uh, yeah the basically it all centralizes on this mysterious figure, which when you you kind of pull down like a hologram wall or something and then it's revealed that there's this whole army and they're they're filing into the portals yeah and if you look right in the middle of the room, there's a mysterious figure she's an awakened and she's a sheep which doesn't line up with what Taimi's saying about he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Which, by the way, we have to talk about Timey's voice acting in this because she just absolutely did a phenomenal job.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: But, uh, yeah, I guess that's all I wanted to say about that is that there's some loose threads that I don't think we can be totally certain that Palawa Joko is the person behind this.
0: Clearly, it is Livia Bringing back a fellow necrobro. Huh? Eh?
1: I mean, where yeah. things have happened? Where things I have happened? I was here through season one. Um, but yeah, I think... So there's a few things that they did with Tymie. I really do want to talk about this before I forget about it. That were really cool. Uh, the fact that it started in the instance before this where she was trying to get your attention and that kind of caused the whole thing to go out of control. In the prison instance where you kind of had everything under control and then Amala just decks you in the face because Timey tries to get through your your communicator.
0: Yeah. Yeah. After you chewbacket um, it.
1: Yeah. And yeah. then having through the through the whole Amala fight, Timey's trying to get a hold of you and having this moment where she is really panicking and it, it's just wonderfully voice acted. She really, really nailed it. Uh yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I don't, I'm not one of those people who hates Timmy, right? Like, there's some people who just absolutely can't stand her that she's used for everything and would have been happy to see her, something happen to her, but I'm also not one of these people that adores Timmy. I, I like her character. She makes me laugh every once in a while, but I don't feel very strongly for her. And this, these two missions made me feel absolutely horrendous. <laughs> for not like anytime the characters wanted to stop and talk like when we got to the the first city uh uh, Saeem, i think is the spear marshal's name not zullenberg i'm getting the names mixed up zullenberg is the guy at the casino yeah uh he wanted to stop and talk about the history of foreigner and i was like no uh, where's the sense of urgency hello can't talk about the Scarab Plague right now because someone is literally dying and screaming on my communicator. And I think anything that makes me... I I respect when they can make me feel emotions, I guess, no matter what the emotions are. Uh, As long as they're the ones that they intend me to feel about their story. So I felt like that was a really good thing.
0: Alright, so, I mean, let me ask you a question. Do you think that the emotion that they're intending to convey whenever Bram opens his mouth is abject fury and frustration? (laughs) Because if so, 10 out of 10.
1: I uh, think in one particular instance they did, but I'm not sure about all the time.
0: All of them. He's so petulant and whiny and obnoxious. Ugh. I hate him so much, spirit. Uh, but i do get i understand i do get the asura thing because uh, i don't think it's so much a timey thing as an asura thing because i hate asura for the most part because i i mean i'm sure we've talked about it before i i hate people that are condescending and i doubly hate it when they're condescending but like actually are relying on you for things which is pretty much the entire story of the asura where they talk down to everybody for being stupid but then it's like, as soon as anything goes wrong, you're the one that has to fix it for them, except that, you know, which can be a fine moment of character growth, but they don't ever grow because they're short. No, um, but no, they don't, they don't ever grow and they are always obnoxious. And I feel like Timmy is a less bad Asura. I, I don't hate Timey, but I hate most Asura NPCs. And so I can understand the same types of feelings towards timey i i don't particularly dislike timey um sometimes i get a little bit eye-rolly with the tropes that she sort of stuck into as the brainy character and the young character but Mm -hmm. i i don't dislike her overall i i like her for the most part so you know it i i'm not in the get timey out of the story forever camp but uh bram should know better so (laughs) bringing it back uh, I will say when was this the first time that he was wearing that armor or have I just forgotten?
1: I can't quite tell if I am pretty sure he's been wearing that armor before because it's Bram's outfit, which came out last season, I think with episode three.
0: Okay. Huh. I
1: think I'm pretty sure I'm remembering that correctly. I think think it has different dyes or the lighting makes it look more brown than it used to because i was definitely looking at it in the cutscenes, going something has changed but i don't know what it, I it's possible it's just the lighting in there is so much different than bitter frost frontier where last we saw him that we just thought it looked different
0: yeah i'm trying to figure out yeah i'm trying to figure out exactly when it changed because this outfit does look quite good also it's super Balthazarie, which cracks me up um just as a as a side note all things considered but yeah no hey, yeah hate that dude hate him so much i'm ready for him to be gone five ever that's okay um yeah you know you and i both uh, oh go ahead
1: sorry one one thing i wanted to say is um I think they did a great job with everything that happened to Timmy, but I had a sort of a wonder about if they had done the same thing with, say, Connick or Ritlock. If one of them had been screaming and very upset, oh my god, he's gonna get me, I would've... The wheels in my head would've been going a lot more about, okay, you know, I've known these NPCs for a long time very little scares them what would be horrifying them like this and I thought that would just be kind of a cool aspect um so I had a little little fun imagining what it would have been like if if K'nok had disappeared or if Ritlock had disappeared or something and had sort of a similar experience trying to get them back
0: yeah yeah I think part of it works for timing because she is sort of that vulnerable kid and you mm-hmm. know we sort of had that moment oh gosh quite a while ago but when scruffy got uh blown up or whatever and she was without scruffy and she just had that total Mm -hmm. meltdown um yeah when the when the inquest was attacking her but yeah i mean we're we're a fairly hardened group of adventurers at this point having killed a dragon multiple plural dragons and a god uh but you know you still have that well maybe not human element in the case of many of them not being human but you know what i mean the the human element of you know you can still be still be scared right so yeah yeah it was good i yeah i i think the story was was quite good in general and i am definitely loving the return to istan and the the scenery again i think that there has been a lot of excellent use of That Alonian architecture, I've always, you know, I keep saying it every time we talk about it, but I just really dig the architecture and the aesthetics of Alona, and I, it feels very unique in the video game world, and so I think that they are continuing to deliver on that aspect, and I, I, you know, I really like that, so that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge thumbs up for me.
1: Do you feel that, this is kind of a loaded question, but I hope, uh it comes across okay do you feel like living story this first episode was better than on par better than living story 3
0: um i'm gonna call it mostly on par to be honest i think it depends on specifically which episode we're talking about in living story 3 Mm -hmm. and you know because i mean there were obviously some plots that were either weaker or sort of more isolated than others in living story 3 and part of Part of it we're not going to be able to know because this is only the first episode, but Living Story 3 felt very much like there were three separate plot lines that were going on and they occurred every third episode, right? So it was like yeah. episode one felt like pretty different from episode two, felt pretty different from episode three, and then episode four was the continuation of episode one and so forth. So I kind of suspect that we're going to mostly see this a given given what this plot line is i kind of suspect that this season will have more continuity between s- direct episodes but that remains to be seen in term but yeah in terms of just standalone quality i would say it's barely on par the map is did you see that post on reddit today about the map size no uh so somebody basically did an overlay of all of the maps that we've gotten in living story to show their relative sizes and this one is um, quite a bit larger than almost every single living story that we've had so far. Okay. Uh, what's that?
1: Okay. No, I think that's interesting. Cause that, that flows into something that I wanted to say, but finish what you were saying.
0: Right. And so I think part of that is again, because of the design being wrapped around mounts, because some of it in season two or season three, rather um, we did have that verticality element in quite a few of the maps because of gliders and so, in some ways, it's sort of hard to directly compare them because it's their their aerial top downs of the maps. And so, some of those maps yeah. had a lot more layers going on in them, like Draconis Mons. Um, but even so, compared to a lot of the maps, this map is is quite large, and you know, because it's built for mounts. And so, in a sense, the there's there's only three hearts in it, which I'm not saying is a complaint, but just is in terms of pure numbers, there were more hearts in most of the season three maps, uh, if not all of them. So yeah, it's in but but again, there's yeah, I i like it. Uh I guess what would your what would your answer be to that question?
1: I feel like it I had a concern with Path of Fire coming out that it was gonna bring people back and then we'd go back to sort of the living story story three style of things. But these kind of smaller maps, the not not awful, but not amazing story instances. I feel like I feel like Path of Fire was a step above Living Story 3 in terms of the storytelling and the overall um, presentation of content and everything. And I was worried that if we went back to Living Story style, it would be a step back. Which, again, wasn't terrible, but I think they can do better now, having seen what they did in Path of Fire. So I was pretty happy with what what they released in terms of it was a lot of well-polished story instances that felt appropriately sized. There was no, like, little cave that was significant in the story, but not, like, when you're looking at it, it was boring. Like, Barner was huge! There's a whole map that's pretty much only accessible in, at least as far as I could tell, only accessible in the story. And this huge map with lots of interconnected events and lots of new lore that's not just falling back on old things that we've done before like collections there's a there's a wonderfully designed race we didn't have that um we didn't have that segment of the story that we had in every living story or ls3 episode where it was like okay you've done a little bit of the story. Now we need to make you go do the hearts because we don't have enough of the rest of the story to sort of pad out this episode. And it flowed on from one chapter to the next so that it it took you around to the hearts and you could see all those areas if you wanted to and it felt very organic to do the map as you did the story, but you didn't have to and I appreciated that so much. So it just, it felt all around a higher quality to me than Living Story 3 and I'm glad that they continued in the that it was closer to Path of Fire than Living Story 3 in my opinion does that make sense
0: yeah yeah I think yeah I mean I guess you know as we're talking about this I guess I would maybe amend what I said to at least as good as Living Story 3 sure so I don't again part of it is that I haven't put as much time into this yet and I didn't necessarily prep for this question but it's definitely not a step down so i would say it's at least a sideways step and definitely could be convinced that it's a step up in areas aside from size because like you said there's also the activities like the race and the adventure and um yeah 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 i mean i i'm definitely really happy with it especially how soon we got it like yeah it's actually crazy yeah Uh, yeah
1: yeah speaking of things that are coming soon winter's day on the 12th
0: <laughs> my goodness yes yep yep uh, did they, they I believe they said somewhere that we would be able to enter one of those things that I always forget the name of because they are so similar to apocalypse or the infinitarium uh, as a full party now instead of having to just rando it which I think is uh, different
1: yeah if uh it would be the Apocalypse because the Infinerarium is already a dungeon.
0: Right, yes. So
1: if there was anything that would change, it would be to Apocalypse.
0: So I believe, now don't take this 100% from me, but I believe in the, maybe in the AMA uh, that came out with this episode, that they did say that it would be um, open to go in with your, with your party. So if that's not true, I am full of it and misread. But if that is true, yay! Was well, there anything else you want to talk about with uh, Winter's Day, or just that it is coming?
1: Uh, it is coming. I am excited to farm my orphans as as always. <laughs> that is my favorite farm Out
0: of context quotes. Yep. I actually really do hope that there's some Winter's Day mounts. If there's a cheaper, a la Halloween Winter's Day mount bundle that is holiday cheer, I could see myself buying that because I, as much as I love you know being an Edgelord Halloween person. Uh, the skeleton costumes didn't super do it for me, but I could definitely see putting some frickin' Santa hats and giving me a little bit of snowflake particle effects on all of the mounts yeah. and just be fine with that. So,
1: I know. need a jackalope bunny with uh, festive lights and its antlers. Oh god. And yes. a little red nose.
0: Yeah. That would be adorable. Uh, speaking of the mounts, I did want to say, I think we're gonna have to wrap up here in just a couple minutes, but uh, I did want to say that once again i was very happy with the way that mounts have been implemented in terms of exploration in this map there were tons of times where uh, i'm not going to say that i felt like i was sort of exploiting but as much as it sort of gets that side of me that wants to see you know can i get up there this way in ways that are probably not the intended in air quotes way of getting there and by using the mounts to do so and there were lots of ways where I don't actually know the way that you're quote, supposed to get to a lot of these places, just because I've been mm-hmm. like cliff climbing with the, with the rabbit and then, you know, using the Griffin to fly across and then rabbit some more. And I've really enjoyed having that massive vertical mobility and having multiple methods of, you know, gl- you know, gliding or, um, you know or griffoning or what have you um so i've just i've really i've really enjoyed that this map has has a lot of those places that it lets you use those things Uh, although i will say i did notice it was i i sort of sequence break a lot of missions now with mounts um and that causes me issues sometimes because i it said to go find a way into the gates and in the last mission and I took my skimmer down in the water the uh, actually clearly the way it didn't want me to go and then I rabbited up the cliff face and then got to the door and it wouldn't let me through and it was like knocking me back even though I could climb all the way clear like a hundred feet over the door and walk past it um even though the door was circled. And it turns out that they just wanted me to walk up the slope. So it hit a trigger so that then all my NPCs would follow me to the door and then the door would open on its own. So whoops, Uh, with great (laughs) power comes great irresponsibility, I suppose. But I enjoy nevertheless that especially in the open world, that there have not been a ton of invisible walls and slidey surfaces and that I can really get a lot of mileage out of the Springer uh, to get up to unintended locations so to speak Uh, so that's a a kudos for the mount design and kudos to the map design so i i just wanted to throw that out there because i i have a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff
1: actually that reminded me i have one last thing i want to say super quickly and that is that in the last instance if you go around and dig in all the inquest bits where you know you can kind of go down under the platform where you fight scruffy and interact with them um one of the consoles says that the leyline core there has been on for at least seven years which puts it before we started fighting Zytan, because game time roughly goes i believe the same as real life time. i you think actually
0: to... technically not anymore but oh not s- anymore even so okay. Uh, We can say that the first, like, three years were in real time, so I think it's fair to say anything before that is, you know, uh, (laughs) if anything, less time has passed than real time.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, uh, that puts it before we started having issues with Zaitan and everything, which I don't know what that means yet, but I found it an interesting detail that, uh, I'd like to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna need to do a little bit of reading from the lorehounds because I did not have time to do total deep dives on all the information that we were presented in this episode. So, a uh, lot a lot to digest here. And again, I loved all the references to the original Nightfall and characters therein. And yeah, I I just think it was a a really solid living story, uh, episode. Yeah. So is so there anything else you want to add, or are you ready to wrap it up here?
1: Uh, I am ready to wrap it up because I must go to see if I can punch a raid boss and get some cool loot.
0: Yeah, yeah. And pretty soon you're going to have to finish up Dark Souls.
1: Oh yeah, that too.
0: Yeah. Um, Alright, cool. Well, thank you for joining me again as always, and thank you everybody for listening. We will be back sometime, although probably sporadically during the Christmas season, so you know, uh, happy holiday festivities or whatever uh, <laughs> I think we'll manage to get out one more episode maybe two but probably only one more before uh, before Christmas hits so anyway that is a wrap
1: this has been another episode of relics of Ore. if you want to get in touch with us you can check out our website and forums at relics email us at relics or at gmail.com or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching relics of orr If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a Whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.